Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, Senior Editor at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And if you hit play, wherever that is, whatever platform that is, you have found Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast as a part of the brand spanking new Behind the Steel Curtain Podcast Network. We have everything that you could ever want for in a Pittsburgh Steelers podcast network. There are some that give you one a day. Nah, we do more than that. There's some that give you one a week. Are you kidding? There's some that give you one a month. Get out of town. What I'm talking about are three fresh shows a day. We have the morning lineup, the noon lineup, and our PM content. You, if you are a diehard fan, and I know that every single member of my Ride or Die crew is amongst those diehard fans, what else is there to listen to? And I've always said this. I wanted to build a network. I wanted to, when, when, when Brian Anthony Davis and Dave Schofield and I met, and we like, what do we want? What's the end game here? I said, I want someone something that... Steeler fans can tune into every day, no matter what, and get multiple shows so that they don't have to listen to the talking heads at ESPN, Fox Radio, even NFL Network Radio and all the other garbage. You don't want to hear about the Browns. You don't want to hear about the Falcons and what they're doing at quarterback. You want to hear about the Steelers, and that's why you're here. So thank you for making us a part of your day. And for me, with the Let's Ride every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, as a reminder, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Wherever you go for your news, we want you to be glued to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com first and foremost. It's updated multiple times a day. Don't forget that we are a connection of that website. All right, let's get down to the thick of things here in this Let's Ride podcast. Thinking about the NFL draft, I was going to do this show on uh, Monday, decided against it. For those that listen to my Monday podcast, hope you enjoyed it. I had Maddie Peverell on from the War Room and the Touchdown Under podcast as my Monday morning conversation. Show went way long and did not expect it to go that long, so I apologize about that. Nonetheless, it was a great show. I had some great information. had a lot of fun, especially the Yellowstone segment in the second half. But I, I decided to move my what I wanted to talk about on Monday and move it to Wednesday. That is today, Wednesday, hump day. It's all about the approach. It's all about the approach and how the approach is almost as important as the actual selection itself when it comes to the NFL draft. Let me say that again, that the approach is almost as important as the selection itself. When I when I hear the word approach, uh, for some reason, and, and if you're, I'm 39 years old, and I grew up with the, I was a regular Nintendo kid. And if you're like me, you had that 8-bit Nintendo. You had to blow in the cartridge. You had to have all those tricks to get the game to work properly, whether it was hit the power button a couple times, take it out, blow in it, tap it on your leg, uh, maybe move it up and down, hit reset, reset, then... You know what I'm talking about. If you know, you know. All these spoiled brats with their PlayStations and it works every time. You have no idea what I'm talking about. But still, there was a game called Top Gun. I love Top Gun. It was also a really difficult game. It was a game where you were sitting there and you're fighting and, and you got the, 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 the MiGs and, and all these other aircrafts are flying around you. But then it always came to the end of the level and you had to land the plane. You had to land the plane. And you're thinking to yourself, this is easy. This is simple. The approach, it's all about the approach. And you're going, and, and there's these little cues showing up on the screen. Up, oh, Bring your nose up. Bring your nose down. 
you're too you're too high you're too low left right left right and almost all the time once you got to like level three landing on the uh the battleship just became ridiculously difficult and you would crash into the ocean and you would die and it's all about the approach and that's kind of the way it was in the game you had to make sure you had a good approach to land it's the same with the nfl draft the approach is important and what I mean by that is how the Steelers are bolstering their roster via free agency. Now, we've talked about these moves ad nauseum, and there's a new move. And it was uh, Monday. Uh, the Steelers signed linebacker Jannard Avery, uh, who was drafted by the Cleveland Browns out of Memphis, was traded to the Philadelphia Eagles, spent the last few years there in Philadelphia, and no one knows what this guy's going to do. Uh, some are calling him a defensive end. Some are just labeling him as a linebacker. We're trying to, we, as I say, the behind the steel curtain staff, whether it's Jeffrey Benedict, Kevin Smith, we're trying to piece together what this guy brings to the team. He's definitely depth at linebacker. Some are thinking he could even play inside like the Vince Williams role. I'm talking about your thumper. What's what we've all wanted, right? Where's that thumper in the inside linebacker crew next to a Miles Jack or a Devin Bush? Maybe this guy's it. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it is or it isn't. But I will say this. The way that the Steelers are putting together their roster, their approach is very, very solid. But they're not done yet. I mean, when you think about the acquisitions, whether it's Mitch Trubisky at quarterback, whether it's the offensive line with re-signing Chooks core for Mason Cole, uh, James Daniels, whether it's on the defensive side of the ball, re-signing Montrevious Adams, bringing in Levi Wallace at cornerback, bringing back Akella Witherspoon at cornerback. I, I could go on. And you, you know that there are some holes still left to be filled, none larger than strong safety. Now, there is a chance that by the time you listen to this podcast, the Steelers have filled that hole with strong safety. But let's just go with the assumption. And you all know the old saying of what happens when you assume. But let's just go with the assumption that the Steelers do fill that gaping void on their roster. I, I feel like a lot of those to-do checklists are, are, are the check boxes are, are checked off now at that point. I feel like the Steelers have done enough. Their approach has been good. That they've been able, they will now be able to enter the NFL draft with everyone loves to say it. They love to scream it from the mountaintops. Best player available. I mean, it's, there's a, a fraction of the fan base that literally will sit there and say, BPA, we're BPA, yes, let's just, that's all we're going to draft is by best player available. I want to make sure we all understand what that actually means because there's there's true best player available. There's what I think the Steelers do, and then there's drafting by position. And I want to outline these terms so that we all get our true grasp and understanding as to what's going on. So true best player available means that, and we all know this, every single National Football League team has a board. They have a draft board. They have their top-graded player, top-ranked player, down to their worst. And as players get selected, they take them off the board. Now, a true best player available approach is when it's the Steelers' turn to pick at number 20 in round one, and they say, okay, Who's the who's the next guy on the list? It doesn't matter what position they play. It doesn't matter who they have currently on their roster. Take him. So let me give you an example. This isn't the case in 2022, but let's just say it is. Let's say that the best player on the Steelers board, when they pick at 20, is a running back. That would mean if they are doing the true best player available, 
It would mean that no matter what, they take that running back, even though they spent a first-round pick on Najee Harris out of Alabama in 2021. That's true best player available. It would also be the equivalent of um, the Steelers going out and spending big money in someone like James Daniels, and then all of a sudden, it doesn't matter. Oh, there's a guard. We're going to get him. And James Daniels is a 24-year-old guard. It's not like he's an old, aging veteran like Trey Turner. That's true best player available. And maybe there are some teams that do that. I don't think the Steelers are, and I'm glad they aren't. The Steelers don't need that type of approach. They need what I call the best player available by position. So this would be going back to that example of the running back. If a running back is the best player available, they don't take the running back, even though he might be the best player on the board at that time. They look at positional needs and say, that guy, that running back might be the best player that's on the board. We don't really need a running back, at least not in round one. So what we're going to do is we're going to go, okay, what's the next best player at a position that we need? And the Steelers need a lot of them. Defensive line could get younger. Wide receiver, definitely. Cornerback, yep. Safety, especially if they don't sign a safety. Now all of a sudden that BPA best player available might be thrown out the window altogether. But then you look at the offensive line. They could add tackle. I'm not sure they're going to do that in the round in round one. We know quarterback is an option. They have needs. And so they would say, okay, here we go. Defensive line, guy out of Georgia, there's a ton of them. Maybe that's who they go with instead of that running back because that's a position of need. That's what the Steelers are hoping to set up. Now, what you want to avoid, and the Steelers fans in general have seen this way too often, and that is when the Steelers draft by position. It's not even a best player available approach. The need that they have at a specific position is so glaring that they are going to take the best player at that position no matter who is on the board. And we've seen this out at two clear-cut examples. All right, like it or not, this happened, and that was obviously in 2016 when Artie Burns was drafted. The Steelers wanted William Jackson III. That was very known. The Bengals take him right ahead of him, and it's almost as if they just said, who's the next best corner? Uh, Artie Burns. Yes, there's our guy. Take Artie Burns out of Miami. Didn't work out. That's not what they should have done. There were better players available, but they had painted themselves into a corner at the position. And so they had to draft by position. Another would have been when they drafted Terrell Edmonds. It's not that Terrell Edmonds has not been a good player. It's not that Terrell Edmonds hasn't been serviceable. And it's not that Terrell Edmonds hasn't been available and could potentially come back if the Steelers find that the price is right. Well, I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is that there were better players on the board when they took Terrell Edmonds in the first round. So bringing this all the way back, the approach is almost as important as the pick itself. And what I meant by that is that the Steelers building up their roster now in free agency. You have to check all those boxes. And if you can check all those boxes, you can go into this draft with that best player available by position, and you can really take advantage of some of the talent at certain positions in this draft that are just phenomenal. There's some really good defensive linemen. There's some really good receivers, secondary players, especially in the, the cornerbacks. The Steelers have options. I'm not going to include quarterback because I just feel like the class is not deep. These positions that I'm mentioning, I feel like they are deep. 
The Steelers, even at 20, without moving anywhere, could find some really good, talented players. And it's going to help their roster. They're not done yet. There is still work to be done. I've talked about wide receiver on this show and how I feel like they could still add another piece. Maybe they like Anthony Miller. Maybe they like Gunnar O. Um, I know that Kevin Smith is going to have a really good article coming out on Wednesday, today at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Check it out on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It's a film room about how Kevin Colbert's comments about how they feel like they have, you know, they're only one starter shy, really, at strong safety. He took that as saying, wow, they're happy with their wide receiver depth right now. And he took a look at what the Steelers might be doing or what options they have if they're not going to run their typical 11 personnel. I'm not going to be able to explain it as well as he does, so make sure you check out that article. But the strong safety has to be addressed. It has to be addressed, whether it's Tyron Matthew, whether it's Terrell Edmonds. I honestly don't care anymore. I really don't. If you bring back Terrell Edmonds, are you getting the playmaker that a lot of people want in their strong safety? No. But is he still going to be, is he always going to be available? Is he always, has he gotten better? Absolutely. I mean, if, if you don't think, you may hate, and there's a lot of people, some people that are fans of my show, that hate Terrell Edmonds and think he's a bum and he's a bust and he's a waste. Even those skeptics can't say that he hasn't improved in the four years he's been starting. And the guy's played a ridiculous amount of snaps because remember, as a rookie, Morgan Burnett was supposed to be that guy that helps ease him in. That Morgan Burnett ended up getting hurt, and Terrell Edmonds never relinquished that role as the starting strong safety. So for the Steelers, they still have work to do, but this approach that they've put together so far in an offseason that we all said, myself included, is unbelievably pivotal. Pivotal for the future of this entire franchise. They've done a bang-up job, but they're not done yet. They still have a lot of work to do. They have time to do it. And I think the longer this goes, especially at strong safety, it's going to benefit the Pittsburgh Steelers. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean that the longer it goes, you see like a Jabril Peppers sign a contract with the New England Patriots, and here you have the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, and Terrell Edmonds still unsigned. and They're still out there on free agency. I still do feel like the longer this goes, the better the deal is going to be for Pittsburgh. I'm sure that they've probably put an offer out to both of these players. Both of these players might say they want to hold out and see if they can get a better deal or if they can squeeze a few more million out of the Steelers. It, it, co- it could come down to hardball. We'll see. They still have work to be done. And I'll tell you what, I have a lot of work to do because my ride-or-die crew with the mailbag, they went off again. Well over 30 questions. I'm going to get to them all. Coming up in the second half right after this break. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment. It is Wednesday. It is hump day. I hope you're having a great week. We're halfway there, folks. Stay tuned. we got a lot of stuff coming out behind the steel curtain, but it's Wednesday. That means in the second half of my Let's Ride podcast, we do the mailbag and my ride or die crew again. Wow. Like, that's all I'm going to say is wow. So let's just dive head first right into this thing. MDibs24 says, sources inform me 
that the Steelers will sign both Anthony Smith and Shamarco Thomas to fill the voids at safety. Thoughts? P.S. It's me. I'm the source. Well, you know, M. Dibs, since you're sourcing out this information, I did hear rumors that the Steelers are kicking the tires of one Sean Davis, so he might be joining Anthony Smith and Shamarco Thomas, and there's even talk of Lee Flowers coming out of retirement, so... Fingers crossed, the Steelers might be okay at strong safety. If, if you know those names, folks, no, we're just joking. Like, that is literally a joke. Don't go out on Twitter and say, Jeff Hartman said this. No, I'm not sourcing anything. Corey Eckenroth says, at this point, the Steelers are very light at strong safety, and it doesn't look like they're in any hurry to fill the position. Could it be because of a slight alignment change in their defensive philosophy now that Austin is defensive coordinator and Tomlin is a former cover two guy? Hashtag ride or die crew. Thank you, Corey. Great question. For me, I don't think it has anything to do with the defensive philosophy, the coordinator, the head coach, the background that he has. I think it all is coming down to financials right now. These players are looking for the best deal possible. The Steelers have to look out for their best financial interests. Dave Schofield, he did a brand new update on the salary cap. I want to make sure that I give him credit so that he doesn't yell at me on his Stat Geek podcast or on Twitter and say, Jeff, you didn't use my article. I'm so sorry. Okay, that was my Dave Schofield impersonation. His estimated salary cap space, approximately $13.45 million, approximately. So after the the Avery, that is no report on him. It's not counting Jannard Avery. But Akella Witherspoon is included in that money. The Steelers still have $13 million left. Now, some of that's going to be allocated to things like rookies, injuries. Got to keep some money back for that. But still, they have some money to spend. I think it's going to come down to financials. There you go. British Owen David, uh, he said, Would Cordell Stewart, in your opinion, have had more success as a quarterback in the modern NFL than he did in his day? Hashtag ride or die crew. You know, it's, it's a yes or no. Cordell Stewart's athleticism was off the charts. I still think he was better as slash than he was as a quarterback. But you saw, I think that honestly, if you look at what happened to Mitch Trubisky in Chicago, is the same thing that almost happened to Cordell Stewart. For some reason, Mitch Trubisky, he's an athletic guy. He's a mobile quarterback. He's not a runner, but he's a mobile quarterback. Cordell Stewart was the same type of quarterback, and what did they try to do? They tried to make him a pocket passer, and it just didn't work. He turned the ball over too much. Instead of saying, Cordell, we're going to design an offense based around you, they said, we need you to fit into this scheme, and it just never worked out that way. In my opinion, I think Cordell Stewart in today's game would have a system in place that would help emphasize all of those great skill sets that he had uh, and unfortunately he didn't have that so there's a that's a long-winded answer to your question but thank you Owen for the question Heath Davis says you're tasked with stealing the declaration of independence then you must <laughs> and you must pick five former or current Steelers players in their prime to be on your heist team who do you pick and why okay this is tough because if I did I mean my first inclination is I'm not picking any Steeler. I'm picking Nick Cage. I mean, if if you're stealing the Declaration of Independence, who else would you want than Nick Cage to steal the Declaration of Independence? But if I have to pick five current or former Steelers players, so I'm going to take Terry Bradshaw. Why? He was a guy that could distract anyone. He's got the country bumpkin accent. He's got the looks, the charm. I'm going to have Terry go to the security guard. I'm going to give, hey, make sure they're not paying attention. Next, I'm going to go in another 70s player. I'm getting Mean Joe. 
because no one's going to say a word to Mean Joe Green. I think Mean Joe Green could probably walk right in uh, to wherever, uh, I guess it's probably the, the Capitol building. He could probably walk right in, take the Declaration of Independence out and just leave, and no one's going to say a word. Uh, he could probably do that. Um, so if Mean Joe's taking the document in and of itself, I'm going to have James Harrison as, as security. Uh, I'll also throw in Lamar Woodley. Let's have both bookend uh, pass rushers there. I need one more. Uh, give me Troy Palomalu just in case something happens. I love his athleticism. He'll make something work. <laughs> That's a great question. Todd Hall, he says, okay, Jeff, straight up. Does Mason have a legit shot at the starting job? It's a good question, Todd. I think it's a lot of it's a question a lot of fans are asking right now. Does Mason Rudolph have a legitimate shot? I don't. I'm not going to say that he it legitimate in terms of he actually could win it. And yes, he has a legitimate shot. Would he need Mitch Trubisky to f- falter? Yes, he would. So it's, it's in my opinion, it's Mitch Trubisky's job to lose. I don't think Mason Rudolph, unless Mitch Trubisky falls flat on his face. I don't think he has a chance. Now, he has a legitimate shot because if if Trubisky does trip up, I don't think they're going to just hand him the job. So he does have a shot, but it's it's not his to win. It's it's only if Trubisky loses it. Hope that makes sense. Corey Eckenroth asked another one, and this has to do with the gift that I used. It was from Billy Madison when he's telling the kids, let's go, and that's right after the you ain't cool unless you pee your pants. And he says, so Jeff, does that mean you're Miles Davis? Now, I, I I love that movie. I've seen movies like that, Dumb and Dumber, Ace Ventura, Tommy Boy, so many times. And you could go into movies like uh, Old School and Wedding Crashers. I've seen them so many times, I know every intricacy about it. Go back, next time you're watching Billy Madison, it's that very scene where they're walking through and there's that really old lady that says, if if peeing your pants is cool, then consider me Miles Davis. Right before that, she's there's a scene where he's talking to uh, the teacher, Veronica Vaughn, and the, the person, that old lady, is in the background, and she's saying, if there are horseshoes, are there horse socks? Is anyone listening to me? It's there. It's hysterical. You got to go back and listen to it. Thank you, Corey, for the question. Southside Doc says, why should the fan base be optimistic regarding the current state of the Steelers? Why should they be pessimistic? Hashtag ride or die crew. Hashtag anxiety with professional uncertainty. What a great way of saying that you're concerned about the team. So uh, let's do optimistic. Uh, no, no, I'm going to do optimistic second. Why should they be pessimistic? Well, you, you don't have a quarterback that is considered a proven commodity. That's why a lot of fans are pessimistic. Uh, on top of that, the AFC has become an arms race in terms of talent that has been accrued by so many teams. And you look at the AFC North and it's going to be tough. But it's always tough. Why should you be optimistic? I think the Steelers are building a defense that's going to keep them competitive regardless of who's a quarterback. And I think that's something that we should all be excited about. The Steelers winning in 2022 is going to look old school. It's not going to look like the current NFL model of winning. It's going to be play good defense. It's going to be limit their scoring and then take care of the football, run the rock, control the clock. It's going to look different, but it could still work. Corey says the wide receiver group is very deep this year. Think they draft one early and another late. Hashtag ride or die crew. The last, I don't know. I'll have to double check on this. I think the last time the Steelers took two receivers that they drafted, I would say, it reminds me of the young money crew when they drafted Emmanuel Sanders and Antonio Brown in the same draft. I could see it. I really could. Uh, I think they. it depends on how early they take one. I, I can see them going rounds two and six. Um, if they, I don't even know if they have a six round pick this year, but still I could see them taking two. I really could 
Tang says, with the lack of movement in the wideout department and the direction the team is heading, minus the draft, do you think the Steelers are heading into a heavier package to establish more run and play action? Two wides, two tights, and Najee Jerome Harris. He says he's Steeler Tank from YouTube. He always watches our YouTube shows. Thank you very much, Tank. And I'm going to tell you one thing, Tank. I, I referenced this earlier. Read that article on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com on Wednesday by Kevin Smith, KT Smith. It's going to answer a lot of the questions you have. Not so much what's going to happen, but what could happen. So let's say they aren't going to go with the, you know, they're, they're not going to bring in a bunch of wideouts. What are they going to do? And he goes as far as saying, how are they going to use two tight ends? And what's Zach Gentry's going to role going to be? What about uh, Derek Watt? How's he going to play into this equation? Make sure you check that out. Now, Heath Davis, he was the one that asked about stealing the Declaration of Independence, and he also adds a serious question. He said, serious question time. If you had to trade one offensive starter and one defensive starter for the Steelers, who do you trade and what do you get? So you have to trade one offensive starter and one defensive starter. You get whatever you deem is fair value. So this is one of those things, where, and I always talk about this. I talk about how when you trade, you have to trade a proven commodity and something that someone would actually covet. Now, it's a, it's a catch-22 because you're going to lose that talent. So if I'm someone that is trading a defensive starter, I'm thinking about getting something big for them. You're going people are going to hate me for this, but there's not going to be a player I this player's on the the, the back side of their career coming off one of the best years of their career. You're going to be able to get a good reward for the trade. I would say it's Cam Hayward. And fans are going to just say you're nuts. I get it, but at the same time if you're rebuilding the program and you need to get good draft capital or maybe another good player back, you got to give up something. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, it's a little bit more challenging based on the fact that they don't have those proven commodities. I'm not trading Najee Harris. I'm not trading Pat Fryermuth. There's no one on the offensive line that would draw much attention. But you know what? Maybe it's Kevin Dotson. Kevin Dotson's not going to give you the haul that Cam Hayward did. But Kevin Dotson's clearly a guy the Steelers have issues with for whatever reason. And because of that, well, you're looking at a situation where maybe you get rid of him and get something for him. I don't know. That that might not be the best answer, but that's what I'm going with. All right, the next question comes from our Behind the Steel Curtain host, Kyle Kreiss, who joined me last Monday on the Monday Morning Conversation. He asked, who would you nominate to the Hall of Honor this year? So I had to look this up, okay? I had to preface this and say, okay, I need to look up. For former players, they have to be retired for at least three seasons. They must have played for the Steelers for a minimum of three seasons, should possess noteworthy career highlights, records, and achievements. And yes, I think I have someone, and it was someone that I actually interviewed on this podcast, and I'm looking at the list of players, and I don't see his name, and that would be one LaVon Kirkland. Uh, th- this list that they have is is tremendous. And I'm sitting, I was thinking about all these players, and every time I thought of a player that was worthy, I looked, and they're already in. And I thought, James Ferrier, he's already in. He got in 2020. I'm thinking, okay, what about Kevin Green, 2017? Uh, I'm thinking about, okay, what about L.C. Greenwood, 2017? I'm thinking about, okay, what about uh, Greg Lloyd? Uh, Greg Lloyd, 2020. I'm thinking about what about Heinz Ward? Heinz Ward got in in 2019. So LaVon Kirkland's not in. And I tell you what, if you listen to that podcast where I interviewed LaVon Kirkland, he does have the notable achievements. He's an all-decade player. Uh, he was played vast majority of his career for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just tremendous stuff 
for LeVon Kirkland. I hope he does get that nod. He And I think they created this Hall of Honor, this Ring of Honor, the Hall of Honor is what it's called, uh, for players that aren't going to get that noteworthy achievement of maybe a, a yellow jacket. And he deserves it. I think he absolutely does. Good question, though, Kyle. Thank you. Eric asks, hey, Jeff, what do you think is the best route for the Steelers to go with? Number one, acquiring a big free agent signing in a day one draft as well to lock down an elite defense or go the opposite path and try to give the offensive side of the ball some more playmakers, hashtag ride or die crew. Eric, I don't think it's necessary to pick one side or the other. For instance, if the Steelers go with a receiver in round one, they could definitely add really good talent on the defensive front in round two, or they could add a cornerback in round two or find a linebacker they like. It doesn't have to be all offense or all defense. They're going to pick both sides of the ball. I think that, in my opinion, I would love to see them add some weapons on offense. But if that defensive player's there that's going to be that young infusion of talent and, you know, just that youth, they, they need that injection of youth, especially in the defensive line. I'd love to see it. Cheeseball 10, he asked, Jeff, are we banking too much on the return of Stefan Tuitt? The Steelers don't usually put all their eggs in one basket unless they know it is a certain certainty, which makes me feel more confident. But again, he could really screw us. Hashtag Ryder Die Crew. I don't, I don't know if they're putting banking on Tuit returning. They're hoping. I would hope that at some point they just have to say, we got to know. We need to know. I, I think it's not. I think it's fair to ask that question. We need to know. But you look at the moves that are made and with the upcoming draft. I don't think that they're banking on Tua coming back. If he comes back, that's great. If he doesn't, they're going to be planning for life without him. Lori asked, the NFL is changing. I keep hearing that now more players are getting contracts that include quote-unquote guaranteed money. How do you think that will impact the NFL in the short and long term? How do you think it will affect teams that are not big spenders like the Steelers? Hashtag Ryder Die Crew. So the NFL is changing. From a contractual standpoint, the NFL is absolutely changing. I said this hap was happening when Kirk Cousins signed his contract with the Minnesota Vikings, which gave him $80 million in guaranteed money. I said, this is going to change things. Then, fast forward to this past offseason, Aaron Rodgers signs a deal worth $150 million in guaranteed money. And I said the fans that I mean the fans might hate this. They might think it's disgusting. The players have to love it. The players have to be sitting there saying, "Oh yes, this is what the base baseball, Major League Baseball, and the NBA have had guaranteed contracts forever." That's how Bobby Bonilla still gets paid every June by the New York Mets. The guy hasn't played in over a, two decades almost, and he's still getting paid because it's guaranteed money. The, the risk is that a lot of owners have is the fact that. Football, unlike basketball and baseball, you have so much, you have a higher risk of injury. And you don't want to have someone, and I hate to say this, but like a Ryan Chazier situation, where if you have so much money tied up in guaranteed money, now all of a sudden you're SOL. It is changing. But I, take a look at what the Steelers are doing. They're giving more guaranteed money, they're giving more guaranteed. Look at TJ Watt's contract. They are willing to do what it takes in terms of signing bonuses. They're going to give these players competitive deals. Why? They have to. They have to. Omar Khan, this is why they have him in that building. He is helping the Steelers from a contractual standpoint structure these deals and these contracts so that they are attractive, so they are competitive, and so they are fair to both the Steelers and the player. I'm not worried about the Steelers. I honestly am not. But that's a great question, Lori. Cassie says, big fan of BTSE from Alaska. Wow. And then she says, I got Twitter just to join the mailbag. I wish I got some type of 
stipend from Twitter, but no, this is fantastic. You joined Twitter just to ask me a question. Thank you very much. So she says, why is everyone talking about wide receiver depth when the running back room looks the way it does? Everyone knows Najee will be the leading, will be leading the offense, but I think a vet running back would add leadership to the group. Thoughts? Hashtag Ryder Die Crew. Cassie, I couldn't agree more. I don't think the Steelers need to draft a running back unless it's an undrafted rookie. I would love to see them get a veteran. I don't have a name off the top of my head that is somehow deemed attractive for the position, but I absolutely could see the Steelers saying, not necessarily a Kalen Balaj because I didn't even know who Kalen Balaj was until they signed him last year. I'm talking about someone that actually, uh, I'll give you a name, a name that's been floating around. He has had some injuries, but he played for a team that they don't need him anymore. It's Marlon Mack. Okay, he's a former Indianapolis Colt, was a great runner. He is someone that if he's deemed fully healthy, could come in and he's not going to be required to be the guy, but he's he could carry the load if necessary. Marlon Mack, that's a good one, but good question, Cassie. Welcome to the welcome to the Twitter Rider Die Crew. You've already been a Rider Die Crew member, but now you're on the Twitter crew. Pay attention. It's gonna get it gets dicey as the season gets closer. I'll tell you that right now. All right, Brian Haynes asks, what two free agents are gonna be Steelers this season? Hashtag Rider Die Crew. Okay, what two free agents are gonna be Steelers this season? There's been a lot of free agents already, Brian. I mean, maybe I'm misreading your question here. Uh, I guess you're asking which two other free agents are going to be Steelers this season, in which case I'll go with Terrell Edmonds at strong safety and give me a running back, maybe a Marlon Mack like I just mentioned. Tank asks another question. Which current or former NFL player would you think makes an excellent Steeler offense and defense? So a former NFL player that would, you know, you're talking about guys that when you watch me, like, man, that guy just embodies what a Steeler is, whether it's the way they play, the way that they carry themselves. Uh, there's a lot of ways you could go. There's a lot of different avenues you could go with this. And without really thinking about it, I want to give it, I want to make sure I give this the right answer. So for me on offense, I'm going to go with a player that was in the AFC and tortured the Steelers on more than one occasion. And he was a running back and a running back that I always like to watch him run. I'm going to go with Fred Taylor. I thought Fred Taylor would have looked great in black and gold. He was that hard nosed runner. I mean, so good, so good was stuck in Jacksonville his whole career, basically. So I'll go with Fred Taylor. Um, I'm going to give you another offensive player just because it's what's on my mind right now, and I haven't really thought about this too much. It's a player that a lot of people probably hated. Uh, he did finish his career in Baltimore, but I tell you what, if he was a Steeler, you'd love him, and that was Steve Smith. Steve Smith, the wide receiver from Carolina, he, was, he, he mouthed off, but you know what? You would have loved him. You would have absolutely loved him. Same with Chad Johnson. Ocho Cinco. You, you hated him as a Steeler, but if you had him on your team, you would have loved him. So that was a good question. Um, let's see here. Ulysses Georgia, Jordan, I'm sorry, said, okay, short of Willis or Davis at 20, what's the priority? Wide receiver, inside linebacker, safety, or cornerback? The top three to five prospects they might take at each. And I'm seeing them drafting two wide receivers this year. Uh, bug like Watson or slot like Moore and Naylor MSU later round. So I, okay. I don't know the prospects well enough to give you the top three to five prospects at each, but the priority in my opinion, wide receiver inside linebacker safety or cornerback. I am just going to say that I hope, I hope that safety is off that basis that based on the fact that they signed someone prior to the draft inside linebacker. I'm going to take that off because they just got miles Jack. It's just where I think they're going to go. They, they have a lot of inside linebackers on the roster, so I think it's between wide receiver and cornerback, and I think that wide receiver right now is the priority. So there you go. Zach 
Farnsworth says, of all the new guys on the roster so far, who are you most excited to see play this fall? Hashtag ride or die crew. Anyone that's going to help the offensive line. I mean, let's be honest. For me, that's where it is. Give me, whether it's Mason Cole, whether it is James Daniels, uh, I, I want to see some offensive production. So I'm also excited about Mitch Trubisky. I know I cheated and answer, didn't answer the question that way, but still, that's what I think. Ben asked, I was watching CC, my buddy Chris Carter, and Tony Serino's podcast, and Tony threw out an interesting quarterback pickup, pick, quarterback pick slash trade up. The Steelers pick a need at 20, but trade back into the first round, picks 28 to 30 for Desmond Ritter, with possibly only giving up two second round picks. Thoughts? Hashtag Ride or Die Crew. That's tough. Um, I, I know that Kevin Colbert does not like to part with draft capital, nor does. Mike Tomlin, if they really like Ritter, though, and they think he's still hanging around at the end, I'd be on board with this. I would be on board with this. If you don't have to give up a first-round pick, you can do it with a second. I would be on board with that deal for sure. Najee Harris's charisma says, why haven't the Steelers re-signed Terrell Edmonds yet? There isn't a lot of affordable options for capable safeties on the market, and I believe spending draft capital on the position is not wise, considering there are other holes. I think it comes down to money. I think it comes down to money. He might be waiting to see what Tyron Matthew does or where he signs. It's coming down to money. I honestly do believe that. Aiden Blaine says, do you foresee the Steelers wide receiver three next season being a rookie or a veteran? For me, I think it's going to be a rookie and a veteran. I think Anthony Miller is probably going to be one of those players. And I think they're going to draft someone that's going to be a versatile receiver who can play multiple spots. Haskins QB2 asks a couple questions. Says, okay, Jeff, which duo would be more deadly, Troy Polamalu and Minka Fitzpatrick or James Harrison and TJ Watt? Oh, my gosh. Uh, it's a good question. I'll go with Debo and TJ Watt, though. Who are you going to block? Who are you going to block? That's what I want to know. Next question is, if a big-name cornerback falls to the Steelers at 20 and the Steelers draft said, said cornerback, is he a lock to start? Week? Okay, so if the Steelers take a cornerback at pick 20, is he a lock to start in week one? And if so, who's cornerback three, Akello Witherspoon or Levi Wallace? So I think Akello Witherspoon will be cornerback two, but I think they can also mix and match those pairings based on who they have going against them. If they can get a stud cornerback, that secondary is going to be a heck of a lot better. We'll put it that way. Thomas asks, which would you rather take in the draft? Um, he's giving me a lot of scenarios here. So round one, uh, I'm sorry, I just don't know these players. I just don't know enough about the draft. It sounds horrible. Um, I'm going to go with, he has a trade up in round two for Ritter. And he, they give up a third in this scenario A. In scenario B, they're taking Jordan Davis and a cornerback and a wide receiver. Scenario C, they trade up for Willis. Round two, they don't have a pick, and they take a receiver in three. I'm going to go with, give me B. Give me B where you take Jordan Davis, a cornerback, and a wide receiver. Let's get three players. I think that's what they could really help this team. Owen David asked, do the Steelers need to play hardball with it now? Tell us by the 18th of April, are you back or not? If not, cut him. We can't have the same uncertainty again. Hashtag ride or die crew forever. Thank you, Owen. Um, make sure you check him out for his segment on bad language. Uh, Brian Anthony Davis's podcast. Good job by Owen every week. So uh, for me, I, I think they have to know. I'm not sure it's going to be by the draft, but they need to know. And if they decide to cut him, so be it. Michael Bell says, "What are your thoughts on the new overtime rule? If you could choose, what would you? What would your perfect overtime rule be for the NFL?" Uh, my my thing is this: 
If it isn't broken, don't fix it. Just because one team didn't get the ball back and they blew a lead with 13 seconds left, I didn't feel the need for a change. If you want to hear more about this, I think Dave Schofield is going to dive into this on Thursday morning for the Stat Geek with Jeffrey Benedict. So check that out. Paul Orlando says, love listening to you. Thank you very much, Paul. He says, hashtag ride or die crew. Will you be okay with Anthony Miller as a wide receiver number three? If he is, could he be in the third in the third in stats at wide receiver in the NFL? So for me, I'm okay with it. If he has a rapport with Mitch Trubisky, I think he'd be fine. Uh, I, I don't think the Steelers, if, if they can get another receiver, that's great. I think if he's that guy in the slot, they'll be fine. Could he be in the top third in stats? Probably not. But if they're mixing the ball around, running the ball, you're not going to have those big say the uh, big numbers for your receivers, anyways. JG says, why don't you want the Steelers to take a quarterback in the first round? Kenny Pickett, hashtag ride or die crew. This guy is a big-time Kenny Pickett fan. I just don't think there's going to be one at 20, if I'm being completely honest with you, and I don't want them to trade up. So because I don't want them to trade up, I'm hoping they don't take a quarterback. Chad Parsons says, do you think it's Edmonds back at strong safety? Hashtag ride or die crew. If I was a betting man, I would say yes. Johnny Bravo, what team in the AFC West do you think will be underperforming? Surely... With them playing against each other, at least one team will not have success. Hashtag Ride or Die Crew. Thank you, Johnny. I'm going to say out of the three, which will struggle, I'm going to go with the quarterback I like the least, and that's Derek Carr. And so I would say the Raiders out of the, the four AFC West. I'm sorry, four AFC West teams. All right, last question. Sleepy T22, what is your favorite overall team in Steelers history? Mine is the 2008-2009 Super Bowl 43 winners. For me... Um, and if we're talking about Super Bowl winning teams at Super Bowl 40, there's something very special about that team. My favorite team of all time is 1994. Uh, that was the team they did. They lost in the AFC Championship game to the San Diego Chargers, and that that team was the team that got me hooked on the Steelers. I'll never forget that team. Barry Foster was my all-time favorite. So, all right, folks, great questions in the mailbag. Went a little bit long. I apologize. Hope you didn't mind. I'll be back on Friday. Blue Check back will be joining me unless he takes a week off. Otherwise, we'll have someone there in that slot. Make sure you check it out. Make sure you stay tuned to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And as we always finish it out here, be safe, be kind, and God bless.